0: welcome back everyone to Tantello's takes podcast number nine available on apple podcast spotify and youtube this week this episode we're talking two topics first up biggest nfl storylines for week two and the mlb playoff picture which is about to get nuts two weeks left in the season about 15 teams competing for 10 spots. Divisions still up for grabs, wild card spots with multiple teams vying to make the playoffs. But before we get to that, I need to talk about what I am most excited to watch in the second week of this 2021 NFL season. And interestingly enough, this would really be in most years, this would be week 1 because they only played 3 preseason games. And added a regular season game. So normally this is about the time of year and the number of reps that guys would have week one. But it's week two now. We're into week two. Last week's games counted and they were great. So the first guy that I really want to talk about heading into week two to watch is Jameis Winston, quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. And if you watched his game against the green bay packers you would have thought he was the last year's mvp and aaron Rodgers was the journeyman quarterback who's had trouble with turnovers and losing games the opposite is true winston's the guy who's had trouble throughout his career keeping a job protecting the football and Rodgers was last year's mvp who never turns the ball over and is consistently uh the quarterback of a winning team but week 1, Winston had 5 touchdowns, 0 turnovers in a 38 to 3 win, 14 completions on 20 attempts. And what I'm worried about or what I need to watch for week 2 is if that production from Winston is going to scale. Not only it not only can it scale, but also can it be repeated? Can he do that or something close to that every week for the Saints? five touchdowns doesn't need to happen again two or three is fine but the no turnovers part is huge the passing efficiency is huge and obviously of course the win running the offense effectively to beat a team that was just in the nfc championship game last year the green bay packers looked awful Jameis winston played great against a really good team next week they have carolina at carolina so winston's first test on the road as saint's starting quarterback and a couple things I'm worried about. Uh, the first up, the first one is the scale. Will Winston be able to be that efficient on 30, 40, 50 attempts? Is he still going to be able to hold himself to no turnovers on that many attempts? Is he going to have a 70% completion percentage or a 60% completion percentage on that many passes? And once again, the turnovers. The turnovers are going to be huge if he's throwing the ball 50 times uh I'm, I'm i'm afraid that turnovers will be an issue and especially if the run game isn't there for the saints like it was week one they ran all over green bay if the run game isn't there and winston has to throw and the defense knows he's throwing play action won't be as effective i'm just a little bit worried if his old habits are going to come back to bite him throwing into covered receivers making bad decisions I'm not saying that's gonna happen, and I, I don't think it will actually. I, I I trust Winston a lot, and he he blew me away on week one. But I'm just saying something. I think the one of the biggest storylines of this week will be how legit Jameis Winston's revival of his career really is. Because if he can go back to back weeks, like like he played week one, the hype around him and the hype around this team is going to be off the charts. You're gonna hear MVP talk. You're going to hear super bowl talk and it, it's just incredible to me the turnaround especially in the national media surrounding the saints everybody thought this off season with their cap issues with their retirement of drew Brees and some other guys that left the team they thought the saints were going to be bottom bottom of the league winston was not going to be a productive quarterback and after week one literally after one game which was a great game now the national media is almost consistently across the board calling the saints a top 10 team Even a top five team. Stephen A. Smith said they were the second best team in the NFL. Pro Football Focus had them at third. And Winston is now. Entering the MVP conversation. Yes after one game. But this game. We'll we'll see if it's for real. If he plays well again. On the road. Gets another win. And plays well. The MVP talk is going to seriously heat up. And that's when it becomes. Something seriously fun to watch. And you know is we're gonna find out is if he really is an mvp caliber quarterback if his eyes really are fixed from that lasik eye surgery if this sean payton offense the guys around him his offensive line his receivers etc are going to help him take that next step because the talent's always been there the arm strength was always there every every game of his career he showed up his, his arm strength his ability to run and that was all on display as well against green bay but the one thing that he didn't have Until this this season was the efficiency and the limiting of the turnovers. So if that remains in place, along of course with his physical gifts, there is almost nothing that stops Jameis Winston from being an elite MVP caliber quarterback. So against Carolina Carolina's defense, it's not going to be his toughest test this season, but just. That if he can consistently do this build more confidence uh prove to himself and the league that he's not this is no joke it, it this is week two against carolina is the next step on that journey if he's headed in that direction so that's why it's one of the biggest storylines in my opinion because this this could be the second step in a 17 step process essentially of a guy totally turning his career around I, th- I think that's what's happening but we'll have to find out on sunday the second storyline i am excited to watch and i think everyone should pay attention to is last year's mvp aaron Rodgers, who like i talked about took a 38 to 3 loss to Jameis winston and the saints rogers played terribly terrible he looked horrible coming off his mvp season He had single-digit turnovers last year, single-digit interceptions. He threw two against the Saints. 15 for 28, so just above 50% completion, and 133 yards. They even put Jordan Love in at the end of the game. Yes, it was a blowout. It's not like he's going to take Roger's spot, but it was so uncompetitive that the MVP got taken out of the game. Not a good look for Rodgers or the Packers. They also couldn't run the ball, which didn't help him, but zero touchdowns for this offense it was a complete shocker complete shocker so how you know that what we need to see is how much of this was Rodgers himself because he looked unmotivated this whole offseason there was all this issue Him, he's a drama queen he he. we don't know how committed he really is to this team how hard he wants to play how, how much he wants to win but we also need to see if the packers as a team are worse than they were last year or if maybe the Saints really are just that good and made the Packers look bad because they were the better team. So that's what we need to find out next week when Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers take on the Detroit Lions. And lucky for them, they're playing Detroit, probably the worst team in the league, bottom three, 100%, bottom three. So this game I think will show if he's truly invested or not. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to get Devontae Adams involved who only had five catches for 56 yards way below what he's used to and what we're used to as fans. Rodgers wasn't helping that. The Saints defense didn't help them either, but Rodgers needs to put up his usual numbers or above his usual numbers because if he doesn't there, the Packers season could quickly, quickly dissolve with all the other nonsense that's led up to this. If they can't, put a good product out on the field what is even the point of keeping a guy like rogers around who is such a distraction at this point point? and it, i can't even believe i'm saying this aaron Rodgers is a, a detriment to his team a distraction i don't think he is i don't think he is but that narrative could emerge if they play poorly even if they win if they play poorly against detroit if rogers has turnover issues again if he doesn't throw for <laughs> multiple touchdowns i think three touchdowns is easily the expectation for Rodgers against Detroit. Also got to get Adams involved. But it all starts with the quarterback. And just, we wouldn't be having this extreme of a conversation if Rodgers already didn't make it clear he's not happy with the team. He's, he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. And it looked like that against the Saints on the field. I don't think he threw the game or anything like that, but I don't think he was as invested as he has been in the past. And he's also getting older, which people kind of forget about. At some point, he's going to he's going to decline. It could be starting now. And if that's the case, this season could be a complete disaster for the Packers. So, like I said, another storyline to watch. Packers Lions this weekend. Will last year's Aaron Rodgers show up or where or will last week's Aaron Rodgers show up? That's going to be a huge huge thing to look out for. And I think we'll know right away. I think we'll know by the by his his demeanor on the sideline. I think we'll know by the type of plays they're running and I think we're going to I think we're going to see very quickly whether what version of Aaron Rodgers we're getting. Because I don't think I don't think there's anything that's wrong with this team talent-wise, but it's all about the attitude. They have Aaron Rodgers has an attitude problem. He he doesn't he doesn't look happy. He doesn't look invested in his team or his teammates and I think that's starting to leak into his play on the field and possibly lead him to not put a hundred percent effort out there. And I don't think he'll ever admit that. Maybe he doesn't even think that, but subconsciously it just, it's, it's not, I don't think it's all there for the Packers and Rodgers this season. I, I don't think they're going to be a top three team in the NFC with all the other young up and coming hungry teams like the saints. They're going to, they're going to, they're not holding any punches against Rodgers. He can make all the excuses he wants. He could talk about, "Oh, I want Randall Cobb. Oh, they drafted my replacement so we don't have a good team." They have a good team. He's a great quarterback. No excuses. They should not have lost 38 to 3 to the Saints. They should not have been held without a touchdown against the Saints. I'm expecting them to blow Detroit out. They should win 50 to nothing or something like that. So if that doesn't happen, I think I think you could hit the panic button. If they play two disappointing games in a row with all the other nonsense that's happened, time to hit the panic button for the Packers. Not quite yet, but after this week, either we'll be hitting the panic button or we'll be putting it off to week three. But this this game is a... It's it's crazy to say that it's a must win against Detroit. It It should be an easy win, but... If they don't win by <laughs> multiple touchdowns, people are still going to be wondering what is wrong with the Packers. And we know what's wrong with them. But how, how, how bad is the issue? And how, how much is it going to hold them back? Because it held them back week one. I don't think anybody can deny that. But is it going to derail their season? Or is, pa- is Rodgers going to grow up? And the third storyline. The Tennessee Titans and their new offense... They were expected to be an AFC contender, just like the Packers were expected to be an NFC contender, and neither of those teams showed up last Sunday. Tennessee played the Cardinals, and I got to give the Cardinals credit. They played a great game on both sides of the ball. They have a great roster. You know, they're, they're probably a playoff team or close to it. But the Titans, especially on offense, looked really, really bad. And they went out and got Julio Jones this offseason. A.J. Brown was expected to continue his progression to elite wide receiver status. Everybody talked all offseason, at least what I saw, about how good Ryan Tannehill was. Since he joined the Titans, he's at the top of the league in a lot of categories, including, I believe, passer rating, accuracy, and maybe even record. But... And I don't know if I mentioned Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry also had a uh, 2,000-yard season last year and of course people expected this offense all around to be great they have a good line defense is, is an issue but i'm not i don't really want to talk about the defense because uh that was not something that surprised me that they have a bad defense but what surprised me was how bad their offense played and week two i need to see a lot more a lot more from this offense otherwise i'm i'm very concerned because they're in a weak division they have so much more talent, especially on offense, than the other teams in their division. They have probably a top-five offensive roster in all of the AFC, if not all of football. And they just they played terribly. The offensive line couldn't block. Taylor uh, Luan, their number one lineman, their tackle, got completely abused by Chandler Jones, who had three sacks in the first quarter alone. So that's unacceptable right there. That's got to change. I think that will change because that's one of those things that you can adjust. I think you could definitely get better on the offensive line week to week. But the skill position players did not perform to their standards, any of them. Tannehill, 21 for 35, 212 yards, a touchdown in the pick. Mediocre. Derrick Henry, supposedly the best running back in the league, 17 carries, 58 yards. That's only 3.4 yards per carry. That's not going to get it done. No way. Derrick Henry needs to have 100 yards for this team to win. He needs to have 150 yards for this team to win sometimes. 200 yards for this team to win sometimes. 58's not going to get it done because they're a run-heavy team. And yes, their offensive line got abused by the Cardinals. But that a little bit of this is on Henry too. I mean, he's, he's got to be able to find lanes. He's got to be, and, and the offensive play calling too. They got to be able to find him lanes. They got to be able to get him in space because nobody can tackle him when he has the ball. So... That's, that's got to change. The blocking's got to get better. The run game has to get better. And the receiving. Awful. Chester Rogers led the Titans in receiving week one against Arizona. Four receptions for 62. A.J. Brown, supposedly the next best thing. Four receptions for 49. And Julio, an all-pro Hall of Fame wide receiver. They, the Titans went out and traded for him. They thought this was going to push them over the edge to become a Super Bowl contender, getting Julio Jones. Three catches for 30. 29, actually. Three catches for Julio? Four for A.J. Brown? Seven between those two guys? They need to have 10 each easily. That's why you have them. You have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown to throw to them. So those guys were not involved. Derrick Henry was a non-factor. The offensive line couldn't block and yes I know it's week one and I know they're working Julio into the offense but once again this is why I'm talking about storylines for week two if this struggle continues this is another team that I think actually has a very fragile existence at this point in time I think Julio could get upset he's getting it later in his career who knows what might happen there derrick henry who knows who knows how much more how many more miles he has on that body yes he's played great the last few years but we we've seen it a hundred times with running backs they just take too many hits and and too they get too many touches and they just fall off a cliff ezekiel elliott is a perfect example of that recently a great running back who is a shell of his of his former self and i think a lot of this was on the offensive line the struggle week one was on the offensive line but they got to get better too that the, the, they I think the Titans were their own worst enemy week 1. The Cardinals were a tough opponent and I'm not faulting Tennessee for losing this game, but I think their offensive performance was just atrocious for how much talent they have on their roster. The the fact that AJ Brown and Julio Jones had seven catches between the two of them is unacceptable for this team. If you want to be a Super Bowl contender, if you even want to make the playoffs, that is unacceptable the Derrick Henry thing I understand a little bit more because I'm sure the Cardinals game planned all week to stop Derrick Henry because he is an unstoppable running back at times but if they're if they're holding Derrick Henry to 58 how do A.J. Brown or Julio at least one of them has to have 100 yards so maybe this is on Tannehill I don't even know where to start with the problem with this offense I need need someone to step up the Titans need someone to step up and then even after all that is fixed, their defense is bad. So that's a whole other issue. I don't think they're a top three team in the AFC. But people expected them to be. Offensively, they definitely should be up there with the Chiefs and the Bills. So so I need I need Tennessee to prove that this offense is legit. That they're not gonna they're not gonna crumble at the slightest pressure from an opposing team because they're gonna play tougher teams the cardinals especially if they are a playoff team like they should be so week two i need to see i want either aj brown or julio to have 100 yards i want derrick henry to have 100 yards and i think Tannehill should be close uh, getting close to 300 as a passer this team should put up this team should put up 25 30 or close to 40 points i believe every game and if they're not doing that they should control the ball slow the pace down and win that way I think they can I think they could either blow the top off the score and have shootouts with you or run the ball and chew clock and, and be methodical that way. I think either of those strategies would work, but neither of them were on display week one against Arizona. So they need to figure something out there. I'll give them time. I know Julio's new to the offense and all that. But once again, watching for week two, if this struggle continues, I think t- Tennessee has a deeper issue than just underperformance. There might be There might be something that they need to look at in terms of change. Maybe Ryan Tannehill isn't a Super Bowl caliber quarterback like the Titans front office must believe if they're still riding with him. So that's that's one thing I will be looking out for, among others, this week. Next up, done with football. I'm sure everybody's heard enough about football now that it's back nothing wrong with that but switch it up a little bit talk some baseball mlb playoff picture we have pretty much two weeks left in this season uh we're gonna ride out september with the regular season and then it gets fun then people like watching baseball once it gets to october and the playoff picture is is like it is every year you know you play 162 games you get down to the last 10 or 20 and things just get wild so, right now we have some standings to look at. The Rays have the AL East pretty much locked up an eight an 8 game lead over the Yankees, Blue Jays and Red Sox. White Sox have the AL Central locked up. They're 12 up on Cleveland. And the Astros are holding pretty tight their lead over the AL West, 7 up on the Athletics and Mariners. And in the National League, things get a little bit a little bit more interesting. Braves four up on Philly. Five and a half up on the Mets, but so that that race I think is still yet to be decided. I think the AL East could not easily, but but plausibly, go to any of those three teams at the top. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that race specifically because I don't think the Phillies or Mets have a chance to make the playoffs unless they win the division. I'll get to the wild card race in a second. Brewers have the Central completely locked up. They're one of the best teams in baseball approaching 90 wins 13 games up on the cardinals 14 up on the reds and then in the nl west two powerhouse teams giants just clinched the playoffs 95 and 50 two and a half up on the dodgers who also clinched the playoffs 93 and 53 so probably the two best teams in baseball competing for that division so that race the nl west race at least for first for for first place and second place that's huge because that's the the difference between getting a home series and having to play in the wild card game, and it's it's a little bit disappointing uh, the way the playoff system works that either the Giants or the Dodgers are going to be a wild card team with probably the second best record in all of baseball. But that's just how it is. That's how the playoff system works, and it makes these last few weeks that much more important because we we get to see what these teams have in store before the playoffs even start we get some playoff atmospheres some must-win games games that can literally decide if a team goes home or if a team gets home field advantage so so very interesting and i'm going to talk about this nl wild card race in more detail so if we look if we look at the division leaders like i said san francisco milwaukee and atlanta and the wild card is very wild like it always is so the dodgers already clinched the playoff spot they are going to be a wild card team at the worst but they want that division they're two and a half out of the division so that's very feasible right now they're playing arizona so that should be a win for them it's going to take 100 wins to win the national league west but then for the second wild card spot we have st louis currently one up on san diego as well as the reds two and a half up on philadelphia And four up on the Mets, so realistically, five teams in play for one wild card spot, the second wild card spot, and (laughs) a very difficult task of playing the Dodgers. Whoever gets that second spot is in trouble. But I like, I would like to see the Padres make the playoffs because of how much talent they have on their roster. I honestly think they underperformed. Currently, only seventy-four and seventy. St. Louis coming on strong as of late. Moving into that spot, and Cincinnati right behind them, two teams from the Central. And then, like, and then I, two teams I talked about earlier, the Phillies and the Mets. Yes, still in play, but the Mets are below 500 right now. Philadelphia's a game over. So they need to seriously get hot if they want to get into that, into that picture. I honestly think it's more realistic for the Mets or Phillies to win their division than it is for them to become a wild card team because. If you, look, if you look at some of these stats they have here, the run differential, San Diego's plus, Cincinnati's plus. Philadelphia, New York, and St. Louis are all negative run differential teams. They're not that good. So yes, it's a wildcard team. You don't need to be great to be a wildcard team. But I think, I think San Diego or Cincinnati probably are the two best teams from any of these wildcard contenders remaining in the National League. But you never know. You never know. I'm, ex- I'm expecting the Braves to hold on to that division and the Mets and Phillies to miss the playoffs altogether. But there is still multiple paths for a lot of teams to make their way to October. And then once that happens, anything can happen. We've, we've seen crazier things than a bad team making the playoffs and doing well. And then the AL wild Card is a little bit tighter, a little bit less teams but a very, very hot race. The Yankees currently number one, tied with Toronto, tied with Boston. So none of those teams are really one, two, or three. But at at the moment, Toronto and New York are the two wildcard teams, I'm assuming because of head-to-head record against a team like Boston. Or, excuse me, they have a higher win percentage. The Yankees and Toronto both have a 562 win percentage. (laughs) Boston has a 561. So a razor thin edge, as small as the edge could be currently keeping Boston out of the playoffs, but that is that race is far from over. This The AL wildcard race between Boston, New York, and Toronto is going to come down to literally the last game of the season. Oakland and Seattle are still technically in it, four or four games behind, but they have to beat two American League East teams to get that spot. They have to have a better record than two out of those three teams currently at the top. So I, I, I think it's really just a three-team race at this point. And it's crazy that they're all from the same division. We basically have four playoff teams from the American League East. Toronto coming on super strong lately, one of the hottest teams in all of baseball, 8-2 and two in their last 10. And their run differential is 175, plus 175, which is way more than the Yankees, way more than Boston, way more than Oakland, more than all three of those teams combined. So Toronto's arguably the best team, still remaining that has not established themselves as a playoff team i think toronto really came on strong in the second half of the season jose burrios has been great for them the pitching acquisition they got from minnesota but the yankees are still hanging in there boston's still hanging in there all great teams oakland like i said has a small chance but i just really don't see them overcoming boston or toronto or new york they have to overcome two of those and seattle a a nice surprise that seattle turned their season around and got back into the playoff picture but they are they out of these five teams they're the fifth best they're not better than oakland or the three teams i mentioned but this race like i said is going to come down to literally the last game of the season the last game of the season will likely decide which two of these three american league east teams make the playoffs it's almost a shame That one of these really good teams is going to get left off but that's just the nature of the game because these as great as these these three teams are tampa's tampa bay has had a way better season than any of them eight games above all three so al east is stacked i i think i'd like to see the yankees play boston because that's just an exciting matchup every single time it happens in the playoffs makes it that much better But I don't know if I could say Boston is better than Toronto, at least right now. I don't know if I could say the Yankees are better than Toronto as of right now either. They have the exact same win percentage, but the Blue Jays have been so much hotter lately. And a way better run differential. But an exciting race. Exciting races in both leagues. And the teams that are winning their divisions in the AL, like I said, pretty much locked up between Tampa, Houston, and Chicago. Those are those are some really good teams. And in the NL, San Francisco, Milwaukee, and Atlanta, also really, te- really scary teams that I would not want to play in the playoffs. At LA too. LA could easily win that division. So that's also another really, really exciting race to watch. The Dodgers have a 242-plus run differential. Absurd. Absurdly good. Best in the league by, like, 50. So... The fact that they're even a wild card team right now tells you two things. It tells you how good San Francisco is, and like I said, it tells you how close this race is. Because there's not a lot separating first and second, or even third, or even fourth, in a lot of these divisions. And that's why baseball is great. We played the season up until this point. The good teams have proven who they are. The bad teams have fallen out of contention long ago. And now we get down to it. The last two weeks of the season. Things get crazy, the dust settles, we see who's there at the end of the day, and then we get to October baseball when it really gets fun and it really gets crazy. And I, let me, let me, let me just predict the World Series. I think I predicted before the season it would be White Sox-Padres. I'm going to switch it up to White Sox-Giants. So, September 15th, 21, playoff, or World Series prediction White Sox, Giants, and I'm going to end on that.